What's up, everyone? Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Coban. It's May 6, 2022, and this is Lift and Learn, episode 85. In this episode, I'll be talking about why you need to do the exercises you're ignoring and why you need to start doing farmer walks. That's just a simple exercise where you carry dumbbells in each hand and take a few steps with them. I'll tell you why that exercise can be so beneficial for you. Before that though, I'll talk a bit about what I've been up to lately, and that might include fitness-related topics, and it might not. If you want to follow me, your host, on Instagram, it's isaiah.copon, and you can also check out my website, isaiahcopon.com. The podcast is on Instagram, at liftandlearnpodcast, on Twitter, at liftandlearnpod, and also on Facebook. You can just search Lift and Learn Podcast. With that being said, let's get into it. I'll tell you, man, one of the keys to feeling strong during a workout, hydration. Do not sleep on this at all. I've told you guys so many times that I'm someone who definitely is a morning person and I work out before 6 a.m. This morning, I was actually in there before 5 a.m., which is just nuts. I forgot how empty the gym was or gym is before 5 a.m. That's how I like it. I can use any machine I want, basically. I can just do whatever I want. But anyways, hydration. So why is it so important when it comes to feeling strong? And that's because water regulates so many functions in your body, lubricates your joints. It's going to help you perform your best in the gym or with whatever form of exercise you're going to do. Hydrating or drinking water could also help prevent any cramps or even dizziness during the workout. So it's also important to keep on drinking water during the workout. Some factors that could play a part in exactly how much water you should drink are the temperature of the gym. If you're in a scorching hot gym in Arizona or something and the gym has no AC, it's pretty obvious that you'll need to hydrate more than someone working out during a Canadian winter. But regardless, some amount of fluid will be beneficial. Also, the length of your workout will play a factor as well. The longer you work out and the harder you work out, the more fluids you'll need. If you're going longer than an hour or so, a sports drink could help. Something with a bit of carbs and electrolytes actually do help here. I always have a Gatorade in my bag, but I'll usually just sip on it. I don't drink the whole thing in one session most of the time. So there are conflicting studies here though. Some say that slight dehydration impacts maximal strength, like it decreases it. And other studies show that it doesn't make a difference. Ultimately, you'll have to see for yourself whether it makes a difference for you, but regardless, I still think it's smart to drink water beforehand. It's about much more than just one metric we're talking about here. It's more beneficial for you to drink water regardless, and since most of us are under-consuming water anyway, it's just smarter to start your day with a big glass. My suggestion, ideally you'd want to start loading up on water or start drinking water at least an hour before exercise, But just getting in some kind of liquid in you before exercise is the real key. I definitely notice this in my own training. On days where I forget to drink water beforehand, that big glass I'm talking about, I actually do notice that my strength does decrease a little bit. I do feel affected by dehydration. 
And not even just when it comes to the workout, like ignoring strength and performance output, I just feel more awake and actually ready for my workout or just my whole day, regardless of what time in the morning it is. And when it comes to hydration, it's not just important before your workouts. Of course, you want to remember to drink water during the day as well. A simple indicator anyone could do to figure out if you need to drink more water is the color of your urine, your pee. If it's a light yellow, you're good close to clear. If it's on the darker end of the spectrum, then you should probably go and drink some more water when you get a chance to. A gallon jug that could help during the day, just drink that throughout the day. There you go. Another key tip for everyone's training, regardless of what you're training for. Water is super important and that's helped me continue to ramp up my own training this week. I'm in a bit of a bulk right now. Hovering a bit under 180 pounds right now. Feels like I always am. I was planning on doing a mini cut, but right now I really think I'm in a good place right now where I'm bulking, but um, it looks to me like I'm putting on some muscle and minimizing exactly how much body fat I'm putting on. So I'm going to keep this going forward. Uh, See how things look, I mean, in the near future here. I'm just starting a new phase of training since I've been working in that 8 to 12 rep range for a while now. So for May, at least the next four weeks or so, I'm going to try to add around 20 to 50 pounds on some of my lifts by switching to a lower rep range. So more like a 5 to 8 rep range for some of my lifts. I'm going to remember to quickly get out of that though since I actually do prefer working out in this rep range. I'm going to try not to get too locked into this phase for too long, so I'm going to be doing this for the next four weeks and see what I can do. In terms of meals, I've been really trying to vary it up this week more than usual. I've been having sweet potatoes like pretty regularly. They're back in the mix right now as a post-workout meal. Super good and not too expensive also. I find that pairs pretty well with a ground beef and broccoli and or eggs with some spinach in there. Or actually toss in some avocado with a plate of ground beef, rice, tomatoes, maybe some mushrooms, some spinach or broccoli. Man, that meal is so good. It's been a staple for me this week and probably will be for the next week too. I look forward to that meal all the time. Okay, so let me talk sports for like a few minutes and then let's get into the two topics for today. It seems like it was so long ago, but I don't think I talked about it on the podcast yet. But the Raptors did end up getting eliminated from the NBA playoffs. That's unfortunate. So now we're going to solely just talk about hockey from now on. Your Toronto Maple Leafs are playing against the back-to-back champs, the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Leafs actually came out and smacked them in the first game. They have home ice advantage. The first game was 5 to nothing Leafs, which was crazy. The crowd was nuts right from the beginning. And my buddy was actually telling me that the playoff games in Toronto start at 7.30 because it gives everyone time to go from their jobs to get to the game. Because usually in Toronto, the arena might be half full when they usually start, which is at 7.00. And then midway through the first period, people start to flood in. So they moved the home games back a bit to 7.30 so that the crowd will all be in there and ready to cheer from the beginning of the game. Well, that didn't help in game two. (laughs) I saw some stat actually before the game that Andre Vasilevsky, that's the Tampa Bay Lightning goalie. I saw this stat after he loses in the playoffs. He has 14 wins and zero losses. Well, now 15-0, and he has five shutouts in those games too, so it's 
I mean, that's a pretty ridiculous stat. Toronto got a tough series here. Clearly, it's tied 1-1 to now since they lost Game 2 5-3. to uh, Momentum swing, if there is one, it has to be on Tampa's side now since they're going back home for the next two games. And it's possible that the Leafs season is over before next week's episode. And then I'm going to have to talk about baseball or something. The Leafs play every other day and game seven would potentially be next Thursday, I believe. So by next week, we'll know if the Leafs conquered or will it be another year of disappointment? Question one, why doing the exercises you neglect the most will give you the most benefits? Here's one that a lot of people need to listen to, and trust me, I still need this pep talk from time to time. I've already talked on here countless times about how I love the barbell bench press, and that's because me and everyone, usually, they're going to gravitate to exercises they know how to do well, or that they're good at or strong at. And this is exactly why doing the exercises you don't hit as often as you should or maybe you ignore something completely, those are the exercises that'll actually give you more gains and more progress than the exercises that you normally stick to. Let's say with chest, okay, here we go again. I usually do barbell flat bench, I've said this. Lately, I've been really good at avoiding it, actually, doing it less often, working on other machines or other movements, and that's when I've seen the most chest development right now. So I've been using dumbbells a lot more lately, And I've been doing a lot more incline work than ever before in my own training. And I've noticed that my chest is actually starting to look a bit fuller these days than it has before. And I've only been really focused on doing this for a few months now. So I have a basketball analogy for this one. Doing incline chest compared to always doing flat. Yes, that'll bring your upper chest up a bit more. So it's like if you're someone who constantly shoots three pointers all the time during practice. Would your shooting ability benefit if you were to just uh, practice two-point shots that are closer to the basket? I think, obviously, yes. You improve your two-point shooting by practicing that more often. And also, as a whole, overall, you improve your shooting as opposed to just someone who only practices shooting three-pointers. Now, you're proficient wherever you are in the court. You're able to shoot the ball. So, doing incline chest, yes, that'll hit your chest as a whole. But it also specifically builds the upper chest a bit more as well because of that different angle that you're doing. If you're someone, again, maybe you neglect deadlifts because it's hard and you're not that strong on them. You might shy away from doing them because you're not exactly sure how the form is supposed to look. And even if you aren't familiar with the movement, there's already a huge benefit there when it comes to just practicing the movement. You don't even need to load it heavy or with any weight at all. Start off by just practicing a deadlift, and that'll help you become more in tune with where your body is. Same thing with squats. If you're not able to get to a deep squat, then just constantly practice with light weight or just body weight. Just practice the movement. Don't just ignore it completely because, I mean, your form is probably going to get worse. So don't go just every single leg day, just substituting it for leg press, leg extensions, leg curls. You're really going to be missing out on a fundamental movement um, like a squat. And you should be able to do that. So a bodyweight squat, you sh- everybody should be able to do this. This is something that I've had to dial in in the last few years of my own training. I've said on here before that deadlifts are something that I completely ignored. 
I just figured I could hit rack pulls and rows and all these different type of lat pull down or lat variation movements, and that would give me the back I desire. But no, that's not the case. You're actually going to have to do a lot of extra work to make up those benefits that three to five sets of deadlifts will give you. The deadlift, for example, is a full body movement and you're just able to overload the body in such a huge way because it's a lift where you should be using the most amount of weight you can. It's either on the deadlift or the squat where you're using the most weight. Those are the movements where you're really able to load a lot of weight and get a full body workout and that progressive overload that you're looking for. It'll save you a lot of time if you're doing just three to five sets of deadlifts or squats as opposed to... I mean, trying to substitute that with three to five sets of leg press and then three to five sets of leg extensions and three to five sets of curls and good mornings or stiff leg deadlifts. Even if you do make up for it in terms of overall workout volume, you're probably still not even getting close to the benefits doing that uh, you'll get from doing those big compound movements instead. I've also talked to my client lately about this one. We were just talking basically about this mutual friend we know, and he just skips legs entirely. In his defense, this guy has injured his knee multiple times. He has like no ACL, no M no MCL, really in bad shape. So he's given up working out legs completely because of his injuries. In this case, it's like only practicing dribbling with your right hand only. Will you benefit from practicing dribbling with the left hand also? Of course you would. Now, you're more balanced, uh, sorry, you're more balanced of a player who can also dribble with your left hand, so it gives you more freedom on the court, as opposed to someone who can only dribble with their right hand. After a while, a smart defender would know how to stop you. So you gotta have that balance there, dribbling with both hands, like you can't just do your upper body only and ignore the bottom half of your body, there's going to be a lack of balance there, which might not be problematic at first, but could be somewhere down the line if you're worried about correcting an issue like that. It's only going to get harder. There's a full body effect going on here. You won't be able to really maximize the muscle and strength of your upper body if that's all you're doing and ignoring the whole other half of your body. I think I've talked about this before also. You'll actually naturally release hormones throughout the body when you're working out. And if you're using your biggest muscles, that's when you'll get the most output. So there's more testosterone and growth hormone flowing around in your body. Overall, fitness is key. You need that balance. Imagine just having a huge upper body on some chicken legs. <laughs> yeah, it won't look good. But also, you're demanding a lot from your legs, which may not have a lot of muscle there if you ignore it completely. You wouldn't buy a table if it had toothpick legs or if it was unstable when you would push it from the side. You'd want it to be sturdy and stable, just like how you should be developing your own body unless you have a serious injury that you're overcoming. Even then, some amount of focus should be done to try to balance it out. When that injury is all better and healed up, you need to slowly get back to training the whole body. I mean, if you care about long-term health. So doing exercises you don't regularly do, there's a huge benefit there because it's something you just don't do. It's like if you're not moving much, you're mostly sedentary throughout the day, and then you start to go for walks every day. Chances are you're going to lose weight since you're moving around more than you're used to, so your caloric expenditure will increase. 
If you're someone who's ignoring an exercise, maybe because you're not proficient at it, then it could be time to start exploring some of those new exercises to get some of those benefits that you've been missing this whole time. Question two, why you need to start doing farmer's walks. So first off, let's talk about exactly why, uh, or sorry, what farmer's walks are. It's a full body exercise. You just pick up the dumbbells like you would off of the rack and you have them by your side, then take some steps with them. And that would be a set right there. A set could be duration or time, so maybe 15 seconds to a minute, or you can track your set by how many steps you take with each leg. That's up to you, or actually you can even do distance too, like how many meters or yards you go. This is actually such an underrated exercise that works your whole body from your traps, your whole core, that's your abs and lower back to stabilize, your legs, so glutes and hamstrings, they help you move and walk around, and your arms are being worked too. Everything, really. It'll even help you with your cardiovascular health. You'll be breathing pretty hard towards the end of the set. They might not be as intense as walking lunges or squats or deadlifts, but these can be pretty tough if you're choosing a weight that's challenging for yourself. Of course, your grip strength will also improve doing a movement like this because it'll be challenging to hold on to that weight once you start using heavier weights. It's also an exercise that translates really well to real-life daily activities. Again, that's because it works the whole body, it activates muscles throughout the whole body. It'll even help you with proper posture too. That's important for this movement, so keep it in mind. You don't want to be hunched over trying to walk as fast as possible. Just take your time doing these. If you want to step it up even more, a variation I also do is a farmer walk with just a dumbbell in one hand or one arm at a time. I think they call it a suitcase carry. This targets your core even more because your core and your whole body has to stabilize while walking since you're already imbalanced by carrying a dumbbell in only one hand at a time. Your body has to counteract against that weight. For this movement, try to stand as upright as possible, like you're balancing a pillow or a book on your head, and you should feel your core start to fire and activate after a few walking steps and a few sets of that one. There's other variations also, like with a kettlebell or zercher style, or overhead, which challenges the body in a different way. Getting back to the double hand farmer's walk or farmer's carry, it's a lot like carrying groceries. And if you're young, that might be easy, but that's something that'll get more difficult as you get older. So yeah, in terms of being an effective movement and just overall, it's a time saver. Since it is a full body movement, this could really be done and applied to almost everyone out there just because it is so useful. So why have I been doing them in my own routines and some of my clients' workouts? I really already talked about it. It has to do with the posture correction and core stabilization benefits. I was told by someone years ago that when I walk or my posture in general, it was just really hunched over and now I notice it. So over the past few years, that's something I've been trying to correct and fix. And this exercise helps with that because when you start the exercise, you have to remember to be as balanced as possible. So that means front to back, left to right, north to south. You got to stand up straight and tall while doing this exercise. I've been doing this in my lifts for maybe the past two or three months or so. Man, my forearms and even my core were on fire during 
even my traps at one point, I just did shrugs before doing the farmer's walks and they were actually just so activated at that point. You talk about a full body movement there. Uh, that's another one for you. Again, going back to the first topic, you can reap a ton of benefits here if you're someone who rarely does farmer walks or if you're someone who has never tried them ever. In terms of when you should do it in your workout, this really depends on what your workout split looks like. Personally, I like doing it at the end of my leg day or if I'm doing an upper body day, I'll do it near the beginning or even first just to get my body ready for the whole workout Carrying that heavy weight kind of wakes up the CNS, so I think it's a pretty good way to start a workout. It just depends on what your own routine looks like. This past week though, I did them on my leg day. I did them right at the end after doing some squats and sumo deadlifts, single leg extensions, and after calves also. It doesn't really matter though where you're going to program it at first. Just toss it into your routine. Start off pretty light but you should see some pretty quick progress there. I've been using dumbbells for my own farmer's walks, so I'll use 80 to 90 pounds right now. I wish I had access to a trap bar. If I did, I would probably use that. That would be a good piece of equipment to do farmer's walks with, if you can, in my opinion. So there you have it. Start doing some farmer's walks in your next routine, and over the next few weeks, if you're consistent with it, you should see overall strength and stability and performance improvements. You may even notice postural benefits too, and you might even notice that carrying those big water jugs aren't even difficult anymore, or at least your groceries are just a lot easier to handle and deal with. That's a full body exercise that translates very well to real life, so regardless of your age, find a way to insert these one or this movement into your own uh, workout routine. And that concludes episode 85 of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you really enjoyed the episode or my podcast as a whole, then please leave a review and comment on iTunes or whatever your choice of podcast platform is. Also, if you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button because I'll be releasing episodes every Friday. If you want to follow me, your host, I'm Isaiah.Copon on Instagram. And you can also check out my website, isaiahcopon.com. If you want to follow the podcast, you can check out at Lift and Learn Podcast on Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page if you just search Lift and Learn Podcast.